for titles like His Excellency President for Life, Field Marshal, Alhaji, Doctor, VCDSO, MCCBA, Lord of All Peace of Life, and Fishes of the Seas, and Conqueror of the British Empire in Africa in general, and Uganda in particular. Idi Amin Dada was the President of the Second Republic of Uganda. Welcome to the Craze Podcast. My name is Issa Sava and your host for today's episode. We are taking a few strides back into history and the 70s in commemoration of the 58 years of independence. Remember, Uganda got her independence 9th October 1962 and what followed there? was a lot of political instability, constitutional instability. And for purposes of this episode, we are basically looking at that time between 1971 and 1979. We are going to look at those things away, away from the usual. Even in known for his brutality, abrupt arrests and ETC, we are looking at a comprehensive regime, the positive, basically, and the negative. For the negative, I think we know. So we are going to look at the five things that caught our attention that would shock you ahead of this discussion and ahead of this episode. Five things during the Idi regime that will shock you. For a person who did not get education, the necessary education, at least that is what the critics say, well managed to score some points as regarding to running this country especially the first half of his leadership let's try to listen before i kick start let's try to listen to the interview i think he did it on 28th january 1971 just after the coup where he overthrew his then or his former friend Dr. Milton Obote, as he was away on official duties of Commonwealth in Singapore. All foreign countries should not fear. And also, in my new government, I will honor all agreement signed by the former government. This is point number one. Number two, we believe in United Nations. Number three, we believe in organization of African unity. Number four, we believe in East African community. Number five, We, might, we, might, we shall maintain good relations with all countries throughout the world. Have you heard any more from your intelligence that you mentioned this morning, Excellency? No, but we are standby waiting for them. Do you think there could be the possibility of a war between the two countries in the East African community? I have no any intention of uh, of uh, fighting any country at all without any cause. 
after declaring himself president of Uganda, Idi Amin got a lot of support internally. What we mean by internally were the Baganda who had fallen out with Dr. Milton Obote in around 1960, 1967 uh, during the, the exile of the Kabaka. So the Baganda perfectly and willfully welcomed Idi Amin. They had nothing to do with the previous president because of this, the because of the situation that they were in with him. So, I'll right away go to the did you know. Number one, when uh, before I get into the did you know, before um, in the eve of 1971, a lot of political prisoners were set free, and among them, I would, I would like to note uh, Benedict Chiwanuka who later became the Chief Justice of Uganda because he had been arrested by previously by Obote uh, and the, the whole Kabaka crisis, if I could remember. So, Idi Amin comes into power and would like to look at these very few things that were happening during 1971 and 79. Number one, like I stated earlier, is that the Ugandan army grew from 10,000 to 25,000 soldiers by just 1978. However, amidst all this growth, amidst all this conscription, amidst all this expansion, there was still something wrong. Why? Half of the soldiers were Sudanese, 26% of these were Congolese. I mean, these were foreign people coming into the national army. No, the National Guards intended to protect Uganda, but he had used them as mercenaries during the coup, so they retained, he retained them. Then the 24% were Ugandans. Is this a, was this a good percentage? Because even with the 24%, we saw that uh, the decision was affected by factors like nepotism, tribalism, and all. Apparently, the 24% constituted only people of the Kakwa tribe, and of which these people who held high ranks in the army. The rest were actually even Muslims, so people kept on being disgruntled and did not know what to do. So the army grew, but it grew along those benchmark and bench lines so it was not very very clear it was not uh, it was not just and its growth was basically relied on nepotism tribalism and etc so point number two that we should think about is that he commissioned the construction of the great mosque old Kampala present there the old Kampala mosque Yes, that mosque was commissioned in 19, around 1970, in the 19, between his era. So, why did construction never take shape? So, one of the reasons historians present as to why the construction was later during uh, the Museven uh, regime is because Amin had fallen out by the time, I think, around 1975. Yes, 1975. 
I mean, had fallen out with United States, uh, United Kingdom, and at the same time, Israel. So he had sided with Saudi Arabia and Turkey. So those Muslim countries over there, they were giving him the funds, they were giving him the ammunition, and it is. It, it so he, fall, he had fallen out with the other countries. But corruption at the time hindered the construction of this mosque. Though he commissioned his construction, but construction never took shape. I will end it there. Point number three. I think, interestingly, you will agree with me or not. Idi Amin Dada is known, was known or is known to be one of the most patriotic leaders Uganda has ever had. I'm not saying Uganda does not have patriotic leaders, but yes, we cannot take that away from him. Yes. One, maybe the challenges with his show of patriotism was that his background, he was basically a military man and he didn't know how to do these things. Uh, he did not know how to deal with situations diplomatically. And among the patriotic move he did, which was in turn a wrong move, was that um, then in 1972 when he expelled the Asians, in his interviews he said he did it in the spirit of giving the economy back to Ugandans. Isn't that patriotic? I should ask. Yes, he wanted to give the economy back to the to the Ugandans. But remember, Uganda Uganda then was just a young nation. People were inexperienced in running these businesses. I mean, for so long, it was the Indians, the Asians running these businesses. It was them that who uh, that were doing the importing. So that move affected the economy of Uganda it actually shrinked it was so bad that even some household uh, items such as sugar disappeared in Ugandan markets completely prices of goods fell so people were inexperienced businesses closed Uganda didn't know how to operate a shop more or less they didn't know how the entire business thing works out so it was a good thing, but it was prematurely done with lack of advice or well-thought well idea. So that is our other point that we have. And finally, I would like to point out that the Uganda Airlines, yes, I know people were excited. Uganda Airlines has just been revived 2019, I guess. That is when we acquired our bombardier but it had closed um, oh, let me bring that brief history it had closed in 2001 yes that closed in 2001 but did you know i repeat did you know that it was the uganda airlines was established in 1976 yes this was still during the Idi Amin era so i know something that is hard to believe but yes it was established 1976 and its operations began 19 a year later in 1977 with at least six roads that was in the u.s uh, europe um, paris turkey uh, 
East Africa and in East Africa that is to include Kenya, Tanzania and um, and Egypt I guess so yeah Uganda Airlines established in 1976 and operations began 1976 we had a number of aircrafts now I don't know how many we have is it the two bombardiers Isaac I think if you listen, we are we, now we have two bombardiers, but then there were five aircrafts. So it is something that we cannot take away from that regime, and it actually happened. So maybe those are the few things we could look at in that regime, and something to think about, uh, to reflect about, as Uganda is celebrating 58 years of independence so a number of in conclusion that is uh we're going to first have um, one of the conferences where he addresses his relationship with the rest of the countries in his leadership and basically that conference was to do with after he expelled the asians so a number of countries came up to give their statement regarding that that thing so let's listen to it then we are going to come back shortly it is not my intention to be a president but uh, it is the people who appointed me to be the president of republic of uganda they uh, same people have requested me to be the life president of uganda for what i have done for the country economically and all development which are now taking place in Uganda but not my intention and therefore it is now my intention to work in close cooperation with everybody with the members of the armed forces the public and expatriate from England from other parts of the world to plan for proper development of the country we wanted economic of the economy of Uganda to be stronger than what it was uh, uh, before the former regime. Can I just turn to your interest in British affairs? I know that you're interested in and indeed actually go along with much of what Mr. Enoch Powell has been saying recently. I will say Mr. Powell Enoch is the, a full supported by me on what he has said is not discriminating against any races but uh, he wanted the indigenous Londoners their children to have a bright future he does not want England to be colonized by Africa by Asia and do you agree with London for Londoners, Scotland for Scottish, yeah. Wales for Welsh, well, Uganda, and Uganda, Uganda for Uganda, Rhodesia for Zimbabwean people, not for the white minority regime, and South Africa and Southwest Africa for the uh, um, black majority. But London can have any technical assistant, anybody they wanted to employ in London, but not to dominate the people of England. And therefore, I support him. He's actually a person which all great Britain people should have to be 
they are prime minister. So, we will look at 1979 and what transpired. So, 1979 was the end of the rule. Obote comes back, but this time round, he comes back through Tanzania. The then president of Tanzania, Julius Nyerere, had fallen out with Idi Amin Dada and they had actually exchanged a lot of bitter words and embarrassing words. So, the Tanzanian troops together with people who had fled Uganda during the uh, Idi Amin era and so on, came back and fought, drove uh, drove Idi Amin out of the country and he was exiled in Saudi Arabia. Obote took over the presidency for the second time and between that time and years later, a lot of political instability was happening in Uganda, no serious elections and I'll just go straight to 2003 when he was uh, when Idi Amin passed on so yeah he passed on in 2003 because well, since 1979 he never came back to Uganda he was excelled that side so that is all we had for you as we are throwing back to the 70s ahead of the celebrations of independence 58 years of independence of Uganda thank you for being good listeners I've been your host Issa Sava thank you so much for the feedback thank you for choosing the Chris podcast we are indeed very very grateful and it is that honor that you're really really listening in I'd like um, you can catch this episode on a on Spotify breaker anchor FM or even Afropods so the reason for this vintage edition was in commemoration of 58 years of Uganda's independence until then we remained Christmas episode is proudly sponsored by Oxnet Designers. Now Oxnet Designers manufacture school sweaters and uniforms. They dig ties and embroider logos and badges. They also do trainings in soft skills like machine knitting lessons, drafting and sewing school uniforms only, crocheting, jewelry making, beading bags, computerized embroidery and so much more call them on if you ever ever need their services please call them on 0772-929584 or 075-292958 